0: A tale of two cities a story of the french revolution by charles dickens narrated by simon vance this unabridged audiobook was produced in the year 2008 by Tantor media incorporated which holds the copyright thereto part 1 book the first recalled to life chapter 1 the period We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. There were a king with a large jaw and a queen with a plain face on the throne of England. There were a king with a large jaw, and a queen with a fair face, on the throne of France. In both countries it was clearer than crystal to the lords of the state preserves of loaves and fishes that things in general were settled for ever. It was the year of our Lord 1775. Spiritual revelations were conceded to England at that favoured period, as at this— Mrs. Southcott had recently attained her five-and-twentieth blessed birthday, of whom a prophetic private in the life-guards had heralded the sublime appearance by announcing that arrangements were made for the swallowing up of London and Westminster. Even the Cock Lane Ghost had been laid only a round dozen of years, after wrapping out its messages, as the spirits of this very year last past, supernaturally deficient in originality, zapped out theirs.' Mere messages in the earthly order of events had lately come to the English crown and people from a congress of British subjects in America, which, strange to relate, have proved more important to the human race than any communications yet received through any of the chickens of the Cock Lane brood. France, less favoured on the whole as to matters spiritual than her sister of the shield and trident, rolled with exceeding smoothness downhill, making paper money and spending it. Under the guidance of her Christian pastors, she entertained herself besides with such humane achievements as sentencing a youth to have his hands cut off, his tongue torn out with pincers, and his body burned alive, because he had not kneeled down in the rain to do honour to a dirty procession of monks which passed within his view at a distance of some fifty or sixty yards. It is likely enough that, rooted in the woods of France and Norway, there were growing trees when that sufferer was put to death already marked by the woodman fate to come down and be sawn into boards to make a certain movable framework with a sack and a knife in it terrible in history it is likely enough that in the rough outhouses of some tillers of the heavy lands adjacent to paris There were sheltered from the weather that very day rude carts bespattered with rustic mire, snuffed about by pigs and roosted in by poultry, which the farmer, Death, had already set apart to be his tumbrils of the Revolution. But that woodman and that farmer, though they work unceasingly, work silently, and no one heard them as they went about with muffled tread, the rather, much as to entertain any suspicion that they were awake, was to be atheistical and traitorous. In England there was scarcely an amount of order and protection to justify much national boasting. Daring burglaries by armed men and highway robberies took place in the capital itself every night. Families were publicly cautioned not to go out of town without removing their furniture to upholsterers' warehouses for security. The highwayman in the dark was a city tradesman in the light, and being recognised and challenged by his fellow tradesman, whom he stopped in his character of the captain, gallantly shot him through the head and rode away. The mail was waylaid by seven robbers, and the guard shot three dead, and then got shot dead himself by the other four, in consequence of the failure of his ammunition. After which the mail was robbed in peace. That magnificent potentate, the Lord Mayor of London,